Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com. You're probably already there. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song with his wife, Sarah, that you just heard. He's going to sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio, and Vilmos works on JackieCation.com the website. There are many ways to support the show. The Amazon link is one. You can use an Amazon link from JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com to go to Amazon. You order like normal and it supports the show. There is a straight up donation button, PayPal or Venmo to this uh, email address that is mine, Jackie at JackieCation.com, where you can just donate to the show if you like the show a lot. I think PayPal has figured out a way to do a monthly. If you want to go monthly, please do. Other ways to support the show if you want to is you can buy merch. There's Dork Forest t-shirts and all the shirts are union made here in America. So they run a little big. Union Bayside. So if you want to look up their size chart. And then the other merch is my stand-up merch. On JackieCation.com, you can watch me do stand-up. You can look at my schedule and the stand-up merch, a couple of different t-shirts, couple of different enamel pins, and all my CDs and my DVD. If you want to live stream my DVD, it's over there at ComedyFilmNerds.com. They have a live streaming capability, or you can get a hard copy of the DVD on my website. Oh, there are premium episodes at Bandcamp. TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com has probably 10 episodes that were done live. They cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I charge you a couple of bucks. If you've run out of regular episodes, go over to TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com and get some more. Other than that, I say this. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in the living room with Carmen Morales. Welcome to the program, Carmen Morales. Thank you so much for having me. So many times I've been in your living room, but never uh, with the purpose of being productive. So I like this. <laughs> it's nice. Right. You uh, you took care of Tiberius. You and Ty Ty. You yeah, were, you were Ty. We had a love affair. You had a love affair that lasted probably two years. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Ending with him trying to mount me at one point. Yeah. There was him biting your your shirt. leg or he was shirt. Trying, he was trying to bite my shirt right between my tits, to be honest with you. He was right, uh, right in between there. I was like, you got bad aim, dude. Right. right. You just An snuggling? inch to the left or the right, you would have been right dead on. But he was old. What are you going to do? He was old. And uh, and then I sprayed him with water trying to get him off of you. Which you just sprayed me with water. And <laughs> it didn't do it anything. Didn't do shit. <laughs> it did not do anything. I am so sorry. That's and, fine. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> We're wearing these headphones, and I am having an iced coffee. So if you hear ice in the backgrounds, know in your heart that it's me drinking my goofy iced coffee. It's nice because I like uh, these headphones because we don't have to. I don't have to sweat. I feel the... like I'm at a gaming convention right now. Oh right, because of um, because of they're actually quite good for gaming. These, yeah, yeah, because they're headphones with the mic on. Like them. we have our own professional Twitch channel, right? Mm-hmm. It's called the Dork Forest. Let's do it. <laughs> Carmen Morales, by the way, is on the Twitter at the funny Carmen, C A R M E N. That's me. And you have a CarmenMorales.com. Yep. So for all of your Carmen Morales needs, there it is. Stand-up comic Carmen Morales, also a photographer. You took that the the shot of me, the live shot that's on my uh, the front of my uh, website. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I, I saw, and uh, that was one of those things that brought a little joy to my heart. I was like, oh my God, because people always forget to give a photographer a uh, little credit. credit. And yeah. I was like, oh man. And then I saw a publication where I had taken a picture of Dave Ross, and they'd use a picture that I took of him, taken of him, and he. Uh, also? Yeah. Also. Oh. And I was like, oh, look at that. Look at that, people. I got credits. We can I got more taught. credits as a photographer than I do as a comedian. How <laughs> oh, great. Well, maybe that'll get you a headline weekend. Because <laughs> uh, the thing, now, your dorkdom, I've been trying to, fi- we've been trying to figure this out for a Because I don't like a lot of years. things. Um, well, you got a watch with a wolf on it. <laughs> Where'd you get that? I got that at the zoo when I was on the road, which brings us to what my dorkdom is. Oh, there you go. Is uh, uh, grinding it out on the road. Yeah. As a feature and now as a headliner. Yeah. As yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I was, I was raised out there. I was raised by wolves and by wolves, I mean, divorced men. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, either before, during or after a divorce. Yep. Um, before when they're, you know, fraternizing, and cheating on their wife yep. during when she finds out and then afterwards when she was such a bitch. Exactly, because you know? yeah. then it's all her fault for some reason. <laughs> she took all their money, and uh, but he's a road comic, so it's not that much. Don't worry it's about not. it. Just keep working, sir. Um, so, when did you start doing stand up on the road? So, wait, how long did you do stand up before you started hitting the road? Two years. Two years. Okay, so I you're... started pretty soon, pretty early on because I started in Orlando, and it was a smaller scene, but there was still like a hierarchy. Like there mm-hmm. were open micers, there were hosts, features, headliners, all in the same scene. So I got to see a path, if you will. But the path led to the ether being out on the road. Right, right, and because. In Orlando, there's a couple of what are what are called A clubs, right? The clubs that the best uh, ones, the best clubs that get sort of bigger names. The Improvs, the Funny Bones, the Heliums. The is yeah. there is there any of that in what what is there like that in in Orlando? What are the A clubs? Well, the A club there's an Improv now, but okay. when I started, there was the old Orlando Improv, which was downtown, and it closed. Because it was owned by Lou Pearlman, the guy that owned like InSync and a bunch of other like 98 Degrees, a bunch of, and he had beat with his whole scandal came out. So he lost because he owned like five or six bars in downtown Orlando. Okay. And so and then he managed those bands. Uh huh. Okay. And then he got arrested and had to go to jail. So he like lost. <laughs> I don't remember what and it was And that guy for. was interested in investing in stand-up comedy? I'm so shocked. Um, so boy A bands. scam artist? What? And some sort of banana head? Yeah. What, uh, what was the scam? Was he stealing money? That's going to be my speculative nature. Uh, I think nature. so. I don't remember. I think he was, he was doing a bunch of shady shit. I don't remember what it was exactly. Um, but they, they frowned upon it. Yeah. And, and so he lost all of those businesses, and which was... A, unfortunate at the time because it like started thriving again right and then so then it was like a it was a dead zone that area and so the improv closed so then the only thing i had were like these b and c rooms so like i was raised in bad comedy well and that and that and that can hurt that can hurt i mean it 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 builds a different muscle right for sure and um but to the first time when you do an a room you're like uh you, you oh, got, this isn't working. Well, you, you no, wait. You, you're just laughing at me. I don't gotta insult right. you for. 10 I also minutes don't before. have to swear and shout at you and tell you to turn down the television. My name isn't Charles Morales on a chalkboard outside of a seafood <laughs> restaurant. What's happening right now? Yeah, right. So okay, so two years you're in Orlando. The club grinding closes, it out. grinding it out, uh-huh. and sort of doing open mics and learning comedy. And, and hosted. I started hosting for Bonkers and stuff okay. like that. For where's like, Bonkers? Bonkers at that time was... My knowledge, by the way, of Florida stand-up comedy, almost nil. 
<laughs> Almost zero. You just never want to go down there. Huh? Uh, no, well, nobody's ever booked me there. I'm sure uh, I am not above going anywhere. <laughs> I'll go wherever you. It's one of my favorite things about you, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. I'll go do stand-up comedy wherever. But I did. I wasn't raised in. In you know, yeah. I did. I started doing stand-up in Wisconsin because that's where I was born. Uh-huh. So you were born in Florida, <laughs> and then Hence what were you where doing? I in... started doing stand-up yes. comedy. Now, did you amazing your... how that did... works? So you're what are you nineteen, eighteen or nineteen? Start doing stand-up. I think I was. I had just. I was like twenty-one and a half. Okay, when I started doing it, because it was like most of the places you could do it were at bars and stuff like that. So right, and and so what? What? Uh... Oh, this has never been asked before. What got you into stand-up comedy? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Next, you... you're going to ask me if it's hard to be a woman in stand-up. I can't wait. <laughs> Um, I, <laughs> I was actually always a fan. Like, uh, okay, so you were always a fan of stand-up comedy, even from when like, I was a little kid. I remember I think when I, I want to do this. Yeah, when I was in first grade, we had to write a paper about who inspired us, and mm-hmm. some people wrote papers about their parents. You know, being an astronaut, a rock star. I wrote right. mine on Gallagher, and in hindsight, <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't Bill Probably Cosby. Not a, well, a, he was sec- he was the other one. Like it was right. Bill Cosby's himself. Um, Gallagher, uh, the one where he has a big couch at the end, um, that one, and then God, I hate that fucking couch. Yeah, <laughs> but I was I, I was much older when that came out. Of course. So, um, and then the third one was uh, Robin Williams' uh, Live at the Roxy. Those were the three specials that I used to watch on loop, okay. like how kids watch Frozen over yeah. and over and over again. Right, right. And so, so then there was a place to do stand up in Orlando, which is where you grew up. Yeah. And you had a day job. And I didn't. I had several. I had two full-time jobs, a part-time job, and I was going to college full-time at the time when I started stand-up. Okay. You were like, not full enough, not busy enough. No, not enough. I need, Let, a, I need a thing. <laughs> I, need, I need something else to do. Well, what were was, you studying in college? Photography. Okay. All um, right. And... Yeah, and then it, w- it was really strange because at that time, I didn't know you could just do stand-up. I thought the comedy gods just plucked individuals and like, oh, this, I thought you just were brilliant. Which is which is exactly the problem. Like, yeah. that's why people will consistently ask, how do you do stand-up comedy? Yeah. Be, um, which is also why people say, well, how do you get to do the road? Yeah. And you get to do the road by literally doing the road. Yeah. By just taking little or no money, driving to some place that isn't your home. Yeah. And uh, find where they do stand up comedy and hoping. I mean, it, it, it does. Did it involve um, you going with someone first and meeting them and then they, they booking you afterwards? It uh, my first time out was because, again, I knew I met all those headliners that did it. So I That's was it. like. Um, so they would bring you or no, I, I just did it all on my own from the, from the very beginning. I was very lone wolf about it. Like they just told me about it. Uh, there you go. And then I would set everything. I would call and email and Hey, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? And I would just be relentless. Yep. And then finally somebody will go fine. Fine. And then, <laughs> that, and that in a nutshell is stand up comedy. But but that but that will lead you to road work because that's that that's what it is. It's that persistence for sure. That they're like, well, okay, so we'll drive an hour and a half. It'll be thirty five dollars, and uh, you're like, fine. Yeah. That, do I do thirty minutes and then you'll do that? Was well, that, that was deal? the other thing is when, when I was at my day job, my even my boss, because at the time I was like selling timeshare over the phone. That was one of my jobs. <laughs> and then I worked at a nonprofit organization. And then I and then I also was working part time at my uncle's plumbing contracting company in the office, just helping my mom out. OK. And um, and then I had my, my boss pulled me in and she was like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you? Why are you? Why? 
You seem, really? Yeah, she was like, you seem too happy for a place like this. Like, you seem like you should be doing more. And then I was like, well, you know. And I was, she was like, what she always wanted to do? And I was like, well, I always want to be a comic. But, I mean, you can't just do that. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can. And I was like, what? And she's like, my next door neighbor's fiance is a, is a comedian. And I was like, oh, is he famous? I'll probably know who he was. And then she said his name. And I was like, I have no idea who that is. Right. Hence the world of comedy being opened up to me that there's all these people that aren't famous that right. do it for a living. So I emailed him. And this is the same time. I emailed uh, Judy Carter, the uh, the author the famous of, author. The famous author of the comedy. Bible because I own that book too. And, right. Um, well, if you want to get into it, I mean that she's the she is almost the face of learn to do stand up comedy, right? She kind of is the ultimate comedy class, <laughs> and right. that's kind of what she sold me on. Is she was like, "Oh, come do my class and pay me this money," right? And then I emailed the comic, and he was like, "Oh, just go to open mics." And I was like, <laughs> okay, well that uh, sounds cheaper. That is uh, much cheaper. <laughs> but it was your boss who said, "Yeah, you should do stand up or you should do the road." Do, I should do stand-up. Okay. So then I started, it took me like six months to about a year to get the balls to actually do it. And then I did it. And I did, it was like one of those classic situations where I made a deal with myself. If I get a laugh, I'll come back. And if I didn't, at least I tried, you know, mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. of those things. And I got a laugh. I didn't write anything. It was all rift. The very You'd, first time I went on stage was completely contrived rift material. Interesting. So uh, that is that is also an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year was this, if I might? Uh, 2006-ish? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There. That's fine. And so, so you, did, you didn't take class. You just went to open mic like a person. Uh-huh. And they gave you three minutes. And you went up. Five, and so, because well, you know, smaller scene. Oh, way smaller more scene. That's around. right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is nice. So by 2008, though, you're, you're, you're in with the people. Yeah, well, that's that was the other thing that happened is like the headliners that I knew, I was like, I want to start doing it. I want to start doing it for money. And um, at that time, I had, had none of the jobs. I dropped out of college. Uh, okay. I was like, oh, this is what this is it. This is it. The second I got the, that rush of doing well on stage, I was like, I will never do anything else. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, I'll be poor. I'll be poor for this. Yeah. And um, so then I contacted. So you quit the day jobs, including the one with your mom? Well, that one they fired me because I was just slacking off. I was up all night to hanging out with comedians and right, right, I was try, being try. a bad employee. That's it. That's like it. comics yeah. do. Right, right. No, 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 pre- I, no pressure. Yeah. But, so were you living with your parents? <laughs> yes. Okay, that'll help. Yeah. That'll get you a sandwich at least uh, once a day. Yeah. And a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's what you're doing. Right. And, and um, but I was actually... Oh, no, that's not true. I wasn't living with my parents anymore. I was living with my aunt. So that's why I had all the jobs and stuff like that because I had to pay rent. So I was on my own um, because me and my dad used to fight too much. So I lived with my aunt and then uh, she hated living with anyone. So (laughs) that was also a problem. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So um, I went to, I had just set up, like there was this chain of clubs called the Comedy Zone. I'm very certain you're familiar. I am. And um, I had set up. But a it's a southern other, run, right? Mm-hmm. It's mostly a southern run, right? And I had set up a one to do one gig. I was going to feature a one nighter, and then they were going to come watch me. And then that was supposed to be me, my auditioning for working for them everywhere else, right? And then I, I had a couple of other like uh, Carol Pennington stuff, like these other some very small one nightery kind yeah, of booker people, almost D and C. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> just um, pop ups, really. Yeah, it's a, any l- hotel lounge that had a banner that those kind of comedy <laughs> clubs in quotes. So I had a couple of those things. So I just left Florida, 
within a nine of my nine hour drive to do two weeks of shows that I had set up, uh, most of which uh, were unpaid. Yeah. Well, they the first one. No, they were all paid. They were all paid, but it wasn't very much. OK. So at the time, I had like 200 bucks to my name because I just paid rent and I was like, I need a place for when I come back. Yeah. So I had two bucks, 200 bucks to my name. I go and I go to the first show, the the Comedy Zone gig. The booker's not there. I just do the show. I do well. Yep. And now I'm upset. This guy yeah. was supposed to come watch me. This was going to be my whole big break, you know? Right, at right. The time I was well, and it, it was. <laughs> right. And, and But then, they're almost never there, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. I didn't know that. Right. Oh, How could young, you? naive me. I was How like, could you this know? This is it. They can't wait. They can't wait for me to perform <laughs> for them. But I fortunately, I got very lucky and I was performing with a road veteran, uh, Todd Yan. Do you know Todd Yan? Big mm-hmm. Bob and Tom guy? Uh, guitar. Does guitar comic. Yep. He would, he would, so funny, he would carry a guitar and do like 35 minutes, never addressing it or using it. And then the, the last, then he would do another 35 minutes with it. And would just, he would make these people howl. He was so fun. I'd never seen anybody do that. Right. At that time. Um, (laughs) I found, uh, I found his standup to be, I, I liked his jokes. Yeah. And I liked his guitar playing. But the guitar playing with the jokes were the the least strong. Like mm-hmm. I thought that his musical talent was excellent, right? And his joke writing was good. But when he did like wacky songs with his guitar, mm-hmm. that was the least strong. My my least favorite part of his act, right? Okay, I did love uh, I did love his the stand up part more so yeah as well. Um, so I was t- lamenting to him about what happened and how I drove all this way and I don't know what to do. Blah blah blah. And then he goes, well, I'm going to, he goes, I'm going to call, I'm going to call and leave a message right now. So he called the club. He called the comedy zone. Oh my God. And he left a message for them. And he was like, she completely crushed. There's no reason you shouldn't work her. Blah, blah, blah. The manager of the club yep. also did the same thing. He, but they both called and was like, Hey, we understand you were supposed to be here tonight. You w- couldn't make it, whatever. We want to tell you. That is so you. nice. Yes. Yes. So it was like one of those things where. You know, you always hear now how like the people are dirtbags. Yeah, everybody's a dirtbag, but sometimes they're not. A lot of times, people aren't dirtbags. A lot and of times, this not. was incredibly thoughtful and very, very nice of them right. to have made this effort. But that does sound like the Tadian that I remember. That guy was incredibly. He was very thoughtful in he many was. ways. Yeah, yeah. And he's so, probably still alive. I don't need to talk to him. But he's died somehow. <laughs> he was actually playing in a funk band for a few years when he was kind of take a break, taking a break from comedy. Yeah, and and the funk band was very good. Oh, there you go. Um, so I called because the show was on Monday. So I called the club directly. To, I called the guy that was supposed to come watch me. Yeah, and I was like, hey, uh, I did the thing, and you weren't there. But it was good. Yep. And he was like, oh, and I heard from other people. And then he goes, I have these fallout dates then if you want. So now my two-week run has yep. turned into a four-week run or four, like a month and a half. I was oh, there you go. A month and a half. Now, what would you do because of these runs? They're usually Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There might be a Sunday, there, but there's rarely a Monday, Tuesday. What yeah. would you do on those days? Um, those days, I uh, I would call... I, t- I took a lot of risks. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I'm non-threatening. They, people don't, you know, like pe- when people no, no, are nobody... inclined to put up a chick than just a random dude. Right. You know? So um, sometimes I would drive one or two hours away from where my next gig was to 
you know, spend Get the night. close. Yeah. Like I had a, a friend who was stationed in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So a lot of times I would just go do my two days and then go down there and spend like two days. Cause then I, you know, my costs were, I didn't have to pay to stay there. Yeah. And then I, I just had to pay cover food and gas. Right. So then I would do something like that. Or if somebody like had a, like if I met a comic and I was like, Hey, do you know anybody up here? And then they would, they would call their friend and be like, Hey, my friend's coming through. She's cool. So it was all based on like vouching. Like it was all like, (laughs) like all referral based. Right. All the places I stayed. Just wandering, essentially just wandering around the South. Yeah. uh, At this initially, just you'd go do a gig and then you're like, where will I sleep tonight? Or well, t- that, the gig usually had it at a They place. usually give you a thing. But then but, it was like, I have two days. So it was always like, I was constantly obsessing about <laughs> logistics. Where yeah. I was at, where I was going to be, what's in between, do I know anybody in these, in these parts? And if I don't, does anyone I know know anybody in those right. parts? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. So you were, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's a new grind because I only knew men that did that. Which is why your dorkdom is this grinding it out on the road. So was that, so now you're out for four weeks because the Comedy Zone gave you those fallout dates. Yeah. So, and sometimes they were like on a Wednesday and then they, it would be a different place on Friday and Saturday. So I would just have to figure out a Thursday. Right. So it was all, and and at the time, I mean, all I had was free time. I'm just sitting in a coffee shop. Right. In, you know, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Hoping then go, that something funny will come right. to you. Well, that, and also <laughs> I would go to an open mic. I would be like, oh, that that's a big city. I would go to an open mic. I'd do a set. People over, hey, you're funny. All right, am I funny enough for you to let me crash on your couch? Would you let me crash on your couch? I did that so many times. Yeah. It was so, there were so many times where I was like, this might be bad. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. There's, there's, a, there's a thousand stories that end. And then I wasn't killed. Yeah. So, uh, but. More so than the ones where you are killed. Right. So I would just, <laughs> I would play the odds, you know. Right. And, and I'm certain there, there, I'm certain there are stories that I don't know that maybe a time I was sleeping and somebody was yanking it over my sleeping face and I don't know about it. But are you a, you a deep sleeper? Is that I what I'm seeing? Pretty deep. You sleep pretty deep. You're, you're <laughs> thorough sleeper. You're like, well, if you need to, if you need to touch yourself while I sleep, well, thanks for the, thanks yeah. for the couch. Yeah. Ass, grass, or gas. <laughs> and in this case, it's you yanking on your uh, person and uh just don't touch me right That's so all. it was so it was mostly dudes too because of open mic and right the, the, Which is the also dude ratio dudes. Mm-hmm. yeah so dude ratio you're you're just going home with <laughs> random open mic guys and going i'm i get to crash on your couch and they're like yeah and, and so most of them were cool and most of them were cool a couple yeah. of them you had to talk to them did you ever have to leave no one time i did stay one day less uh because it was like a friend of a friend it was one of those things that was like, I, I, my friend was a comic who worked the road. Because that was the other thing, too, is I had my road guy guys that raised me. Right. They had their network of all the places they all crashed. Right. You know, so they know a ton of people that would put comics up. Right. You know, and, 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 and people really like to support people chasing a dream, you know? That's, well, yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's all this pay it forward kind of thing. And, right. And, and, and nobody gets it more than someone who knows that you need. You need a place to sleep because they needed a place to sleep. And they're like, no, no, I get that. Let's find you a place that isn't your car. So my friend, who is a comic, had a friend that was like living in somewhere in Kentucky. And I needed uh, two nights off. And I went and stayed one night. And the first night I was there, her 
uh, husband or boyfriend, her dude was yeah. in prison and was calling and like accusing me of like accusing her of us fucking. And I had just gotten there. I had just gotten on the couch. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Uh, and then he's like, are you fucking her? Is that why she's there? You trying? And I was like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I'll fucking stab that bitch. Like he was losing his mind. Right. Over- when was, and he was getting out of jail the next day. <laughs> Soon ish. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be wrapped up in this plus it was one of those houses where yeah <laughs> it there was it stunk you know it was like one of those places that didn't smell good mm-hmm. and um and and then I, I like one of those like one of those places you'd stay where you leave everything in the car yeah yeah and then i was just like well then i can i can wash this right the person that you are yeah and everything that you are in it <laughs> yeah it's but but it's such a um and then you'd get to the next gig and there'd be a motel or a hotel or yeah. something and then you're like oh thank god i uh-huh. can spread out a little bit i can hose off i can air out my car did you did you now these are very logistics questions did you empty the car like did you ever just pull everything out of the car stick it in the hotel or motel room just so that you could air out your car a little bit after a couple of months of I did because yeah that was because that was the whole thing is I after I went out for like a couple months I would come back to Florida and then I would go out for like three months and then I would come back and then it got to the point where I was just gone all year and would come back just for the holidays to visit your family to visit my family so yeah I was gone 11 months out of the year just out in the ether and this is like in 2008 right this is yeah from 2008 till like 2013 2014 wow so okay. Just, I was just out there. So for six years. Six years, I lived on the road. Wow. No address, no nothing. I you, used to keep no bank account. I used to keep a, a lockbox full of cash underneath my spare tire in my Saturn SC2, my yellow Saturn SC2. Wow. She no longer has that car. Nope. And, uh, <laughs> and now you have a bank account. I have a bank account. And there you go. Yeah. And Because uh, why no bank account? Because no address? Um. I would still get my mail sent to my parents' house, yeah. so I would just pick it up once a year, and if anything important came, they would just call me and tell me. Right. They'd just open it and read it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no bank account, just because, I don't know, I hung out with like a lot of conspiracies. Again, raised by divorced men. You don't want to put it in a bank. You know, it's just Oh, right, right. It's things. all skateboard guys. Yeah, It's yeah. all just guys, but with tinfoil <laughs> hats, because they're all 45, 50 years old. And they're because all those tinfoil hat guys are out of their damn minds. Well, they're all tinfoil, my age. Well, that's what they're, they're all just like for in my case, they're all just a bunch of potheads that were like. And this was the time, you know, nine eleven was an inside job. You know, no, no, yeah, those guys. People, yeah. where they're just you're like, okay, no, I understand. Drew Carey got a sitcom and you didn't. There has to be <laughs> another reason why the world is against you, right. and it isn't because of nine eleven was an inside job. You dumb dumb. <laughs> right. And so. But um, yeah, uh, those guys have uh, been actually driving me nuts this week. <laughs> I know at least three well, no, of them. That's evolved into a way, place where it's like, uh, it's just ridiculous. Like then it was just like, it could, that, I mean, that could be plausible. I could believe that the that the government is lying, is lying to, to you. Absolutely. I could. No, no, that's that. almost a certainty. Yeah. Uh, but the thing <laughs> is, is uh, I mean, but now it's evolved to where like you have to question everything and the world is flat and like all this. Yes. It's, it's unraveled. But that right. was the beginning. That was the. That Those was, were the early days. Yeah. <laughs> the early days. Is, was, where it was a fun rabbit hole to go down, you know, whereas now it's like, oh, no, I'm not insane. Oh, no. And and but the thing is, is when I when I was doing the road and I wasn't doing the road because you're you're talking about 50 weeks a year. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and in those times, I only ever paid for a hotel like four times in those six years. Like that's how 
how that's how kind people are. Yes, that, that people don't realize. People are so incredibly kind. Yeah, people had your back. They yeah. were they they were very supportive, and they would find you a place. Plus, there were road dogs everywhere, and then so one road dog was say another road dog, "Hey, we got a little road pup out here. Could right. you put up the road pup?" And they'll yeah. go, "Yeah." And yeah. then so sometimes I would stay a week at some place, nine days, like wow. way too long as a house guest. Right, right. That's a long time. <laughs> you know, but then as a road comic, they're like, I get it. You know, no, yeah, yeah. Does it make sense for you to go back to Florida when you got to go to Minneapolis next week? Right. So you're in the middle of Indiana, Indiana or wherever yeah. you are. So I'll go, I'll go to Dayton, Ohio and spend, spend, spend a week there because that's wh- where my buddy lived. Right. Okay. So you're spending, you know, two or three days in towns where you don't have stand up and there's no open mics. What are you doing? Are you getting to know the towns? Are you getting to know the people? Are you just sleeping it out? What's happening? Uh, I'm an extrovert. So right. Um, most of them did have open mics. There wasn't very many places that didn't have them or that wasn't a uh, short enough. Because again, if I'm driving, if I'm driving around the country for almost an entire year, mm-hmm. driving an hour to a mic isn't going to be a big deal. So right. I could so, do that. So you're rural Ohio. You're like, well, I'll, I'll drive to Indianapolis. Yeah. Cause there's an open mic on a Wednesday, but there isn't one in Dayton. Uh-huh. Is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. But in Dayton, there was one. So that's what I'm saying. But not every night. No, not every night. Yeah, but 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 if you needed to, you would drive the hour hour fifteen each way. Yeah, just to pick up a set and then get back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's that's way more fun. Plus, I, I, I love I love an antique store. I love looking at old shit. Okay. So, and all of the places everywhere have old shit. <laughs> so that was, right, people was, are trying to get rid of their crap everywhere. Yeah, and so that was my church. A lot of times, like if I would get if I would get bored, love a coffee shop. Right. Love a sandwich shop. Mm-hmm. Love an antique store, and almost every single place in the country has those three things. Right. Right. So, so you'd sit around. Mm-hmm. I'd sit and, around and think. I'd sit around and look at stuff. And then I, I'd sit around and write. Yeah, yeah. Or go up. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then and then go do go do sets around, and so, and this and th- one of the reasons I wanted to have you t- the because I usually don't do a lot of stand up shows, right? Shows right. about your dorkdom being stand up comedy is that there is not a gig that I have done in this country that people don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was why it it like uh, it ended up working out well for me because then I you know. I lived on the road for so long. I was such a rogue human, you know, like I didn't have a lot of, like my social skills were very specific to how you interact with other comics, yeah. which is a very skewed way of how you interact with people. <laughs> right, right. That doesn't help you with the with the regular walking and talking to people. Yeah, that and also my relationship with women was weird because I never saw them. You know, right. it would be like one woman per scene because this is before... That like the last five years, there's been a, like a a big boom in women doing stand up, which is wonderful. But when you were out in the ether, they would never book you with another female. Right. I book. I worked with one female headliner maybe in the, that six years mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of of living out there. Yeah. And so I never see them except when I was in like a scene, and then they were always babies. And, right. And they were like, "Oh wow, how do you aren't you scared?" And I was like, "No, everybody's been so nice. You know, right. So far, so good. Everyone's yeah. been great." And it is it is interesting that this is and it, this is six years ago, you know, the uh-huh. 15, you know, you're talking 2014, 2015, and it's only 2019. So you're hardcore on the road from 2006 to 2014. And there's no it's just like it was with me from yeah. 1988 to 
2004. Exactly the same. <laughs> well, and same, same, actually a little less pay. The, well, the money shit. And I was going to say, and the money hasn't changed at all, but the uh, inflation's gone up. So uh, <laughs> gas is raised. The prices of that gas are true. up. That was true. That was like one of the, that was one of the hardest years was when it was like $4 a gallon for gas. And you would, this drive would still be 16 hours. They're right. still only giving you 300 bucks. Yep. You just had to make it work. You right, know. right. You had to figure out what to do. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite stories was a couple of comics coming from uh, some triple run, and they were in Wyoming, and they were had to drive back to Minneapolis, and it was back when um, this is in the '90s. So uh, the subway used to have these cards that would they would clip them, and and you'd get nine pips, and then you're you're a half a sandwich for free, and so. Um, they would go to the craft store and buy the thing that cuts the holes out. Oh Same no, way. no! Oh, I love that's a, I love, that's a, there's a, I love a road scam. I used to do shit like that all the time because sometimes you just didn't have another option. You'd have to do shit like that. Well, there wasn't any bring a, any bring food. Yeah, you'd have to bring a cup. In, from oh, into the gas station into the or into the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, did you ever do a thing that that this is what I always thought I would have done because I never the way I worked the road was much safer, much less, um, you know. If there were dead nights in between, I would I would go home. Right. Yeah. I was like, uh, I don't. I don't. There's no reason for me to stay out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, and so and I had a day job that was enormously flexible, so mm-hmm. I was allowed to come and go as I wished, to some extent. And um, but the fact that the Hampton Inns, the couple waffle places, the best westerns, they'll have like a free breakfast, and. That was if, another scam I would do. Well, on that the road, was that. That's got go a hotel that I wasn't staying at and get their free condiment and get their breakfast. right and get yeah. the free breakfast because that that's that'll save you fifteen twenty bucks mm-hmm. for the day. That's how I used to go swimming a lot of times. Is I would go to a town and I'd be like, I want to go swimming. Right. So then I would just go and act like I was staying at the hotel. I mean, I think I got stopped once. Yep. But a lot of times those people don't give a shit. No, everyone's making eight bucks a dollar yeah, an hour care. and they can't possibly care. Yeah. It's like going to see more than one movie. Yeah. And um, did you see a lot of movies? I did. I, I There saw- must have been a year or two where you were just like, I guess I'm the movie comic now. I actually didn't. That wasn't like one of the things I used to do all the time. Um because I knew that that's what I ended up doing. I'd end up hanging out with on the road, just hanging out with the comics. We're like, well, we're going to see a movie, and we're going to stay and watch another one. Yeah, yeah, that was the only time I would ever go is if I was with comics that wanted to go see a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panette, anytime I would work with Panette, he would always like to want to go see a movie. Um, and but yeah, I always I always like to to have my own More thoughts, coffees, and yeah, just chill out. Yeah, have a nice tea and 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 and, and just write. Yeah. yeah. And just look at stuff I wouldn't buy. It was fun. Right. Well, you know the old joke, if you're featuring, is uh, went to the mall today to watch the headliner spend some money. <laughs> and, I uh, have done that, too. <laughs> <laughs> right, you just kind of wander around behind them. Yeah. <laughs> hoping that they will probably buy you lunch. And they will. A uh, lot of, yeah, a lot of them do. It's the whole, that, it's a, that's another example of the whole passing it down. Like, the headliner usually buys the feature a meal. Yeah, at least one meal a week. So, just to be... You know, and it's decent. It, yeah, they because know. They know. <laughs> they know that the feature is making literally three times less than they are. Yeah, and um, and it's grim. So, and that's the other thing too. That's always so. Uh, everybody always talks about how unhealthy you are on the road. Yeah, right? and eating then, and yeah, because oh, it's you, you know eat so much through a drive through and all that stuff. And then, right, and comedy club food. Yeah, it's all bar food. It's all fried. And so then there was like there was about two. 
a, an entire year where I just brought my juicer on the road where I started juicing. And so I would just carry a cooler full of produce, my juicer, and I would I would lie to hotels and tell them that I was diabetic and needed to have a fridge in my room if they didn't have a fridge. Right. And then and then I would just juice. I used to juice on the road. There's so many comics that I was like, you guys want to, you want juice? You want to juice? And they're like, we haven't had a vegetable in six months. And I was like, well, then I put a little piece of pineapple. It'd be nice. There was a Renee Hicks one time. I was featured for Renee Hicks back in the, the 12th century. And um, she, uh, the show ends. Or right before she, like, right before the show starts, I think, second show on a Friday. And I was like, so you want to go drink it after this? And uh, and she goes, no, no, uh, here's what I do every day. Uh, I get up at uh, 5.30 in the morning and I work out. And then I uh, do... I do my admin stuff where I have to call people and do the do the work of, of getting more work. Right. And then... Um, then I go and I work out again, and then uh, and then I go and I get lunch, and she worked out like twice a day. That sounds on horrible. the road, <laughs> right, right? No, no, it's See, nothing I would I ever. I juice so I didn't have to work out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I didn't, but I always thought, well, what an interesting. She's like, and I don't drink, and I don't, um, I don't do a lot. I don't do I, what I do is I, I I work during the day. I write and I and I do my admin stuff and I work out. And I was like, well, you're very fit. <laughs> and uh, and she was working. I don't know what she's doing now. But she's probably still working, I assume. Mm-hmm. But it was one of the only times I featured for another woman. It was uh, it was amazing in Milwaukee, probably nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight. Yeah. And um, haven't seen her since. Uh, she uh, shaved her head. That's the last I heard of her. <laughs> anyway, but uh, she was super nice. But it was one of those ones where, you know, because it, there's always this thing where. I used to have this rule. I was like, well, I could eat whatever I want on a travel day. And then it got too many travel days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if you're traveling every two days, what does that mean? You're eating good one day? Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. You have to somehow, you have to figure out how to be relatively healthy. Yeah. So you would bring a cooler. So, yeah. I would, uh, it was no more drive through stuff. If I wanted to eat anything, I had to go into a place and eat like a person. Okay. Um, and that was the other thing the road is I didn't, I I became comfortable eating alone, going to the movies alone, doing stuff alone, being comfortable with myself. Like yep. that was, it was a, me living on the road was, was my eat, pray, love. You know okay. what I mean? It was my coming of age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And was it, um, here's, was there a, um, except it was drink, smoke, comedy. That right. Was my drink, eat, pray, smoke, love. comedy. And, um, what there was, okay. So there's two things. There's the the cooler where you bring like a loaf of bread and a and a jar of peanut butter. Except mine was all produce. Yes. Yes. Did you ever do it where when you didn't have the juicer, and you just because you because if you're on the road a lot, you should like Maria always buys a a, a half a, like a quarter gallon of milk uh-huh. and some cereal, so that she can have it in her room at all times, okay. just in case she gets hungry and there's like the the closed there's no restaurants or you'd have to walk or whatever so uh you, do you ever do that i did do um i did used to do like uh protein like you know snacks like lunchables type shit except it would mine would always be like just like salami and cheese okay snacks you know yeah, snacks yeah. like that yeah okay so that kind of stuff for the uh-huh. and the long drives in between uh-huh. i mean you got a marijuana you, and music that was that was 
Marijuana and music? Marijuana and music. I could make make a 16-hour drive feel like it's 8 or 32, depending on the music <laughs> and the marijuana. <laughs> wow. Like we used to call it uh, time traveling. Yeah, that uh, definitely sounds like uh, just, uh, yeah, just go cruise control and never, yeah. ever stop. So how, how long could you drive uh, before you had to stop? I used to, it used to be a thing I where like I would. I was like a camel. It, you know, that's what it was yeah. like you tried to last as long because you were to some extent you're bored and you're like, well, I need Hence to get the there. marijuana. That's Hence, what the, uh, the marijuana was for. I used to I remember I used to work. I uh, did books on tape and I also did movies on tape. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I see. I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could listen to people talk for that long. I can't. But instead, just Stony Magoo <laughs> driving across yeah. the country. <laughs> yeah. All this right. Is a dark side of the moon, like a real forty-five-year-old wow. divorce guy. I was <laughs> right. very influenced, or a thirteen-year-old who has never discovered any other music. <laughs> oh my god! Are they even making new stoner music, to your knowledge? I mean, sure. You think? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's all different kinds of genres of stoner music now, just because now stoners uh, are just regular people. You know, the more the more legal it becomes, the less the stoner thing is a thing. A vibe. Yeah. Okay. I mean, now there's like doctors that smoke pot. You know? I, I, I'm unfamiliar with their work. I mean, they um, just they just give people cards so they can smoke pot, too. But they're technically done. Oh, right, right. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's but it's uh, but there's like jam band music. I mean, I used to love listening to instrumentals. I still do. I still love uh, I love a little a little little pot and a little uh, little sativa, little um a little instrumental music because then my mind gets to wander mm-hmm. and then I can go down a rabbit hole and figure out where a bit is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you'll write on, on marijuana. Yeah. On marijuana. Uh, on Hi. on Guess, the weed. On the wacky uh, tobacco. Yes, Here's Jackie. my thing about the wacky tobacco. You genuinely have seven to nine minutes to talk to me before I would fall asleep. So I never <laughs> smoked pot and I would just wake up under a pile of coats at the party and everyone would be very disappointed that I had weeded off. And so I never, I never smoked pot and I would sleepy and driving. No, that's not going to happen. Right. So um, you're, but the thing is, is 2006, that's kind of the start of the heyday. Like the best minds of my generation Mm -hmm. have been working on the different strains of pot for the last 30 years. Yeah. They're like, well, I don't want to get hungry. I don't need the munchies. I just want my my mind to be expanded. Yeah. Or I just want to calm down. Yeah. Less anxious. So there's like 35 different strains. I had Ungayobilum on the show and his dorkdom was pot. Nice. He's a Sacramento comic. Uh Uh-huh. And, um... So what were some of your favorite um, favorite runs or favorite towns or favorite weird, like, one-nighter, like, grinding it out for, for six years has got to have a couple of places where where you felt more at home than others? Absolutely. I, I actually loved your neck of the woods. I loved being up in the Midwest. I loved uh, Minneapolis is one of my favorites. That was one of those ones where I would figure out a way to spend more than one week there. Okay. Just because I love the scene. I could get up every night. Everybody was super nice. They were super welcoming. Right. Um, always had a place to crash. Like that was one of the places where it was like my friend Kendra was would also work the road and she knew a guy that she did like a festival with or something that lived there and then I didn't oh, the only thing I knew about the guy is we had the same birthday that was the only his name was Dan <laughs> Mogul and so I showed up at his house at like one o'clock in the morning to spend the night there yeah and uh we're still like the best of friends 
Oh, wow. Yeah. We're like the best of friends. And it was one of those things where it was a chance meeting. And, you know, he was so welcoming and just made me. These are some of the spots I go to. Hey, could you get this girl on the show? Blah, blah, blah. One of those things. And uh, so I I loved Minneapolis. Yeah. Loved it so much. Um, Did you ever do uh, Milwaukee or Michigan or any of that? Like, oh, yeah. Or, or did you go? Because the thing is, is so I started in, in, in Wisconsin. And so I, I would do some of that, that Wisconsin stuff, worked out of Minneapolis and would go over to the UP uh-huh. and then down into, into Michigan. Didn't do Chicago a lot. But you lived in Chicago, sort of. Well, I had a, I, again, it was like a rogue comic. I didn't have any financial responsibility except my car insurance and my phone. That was the right. only thing I had because I quit college right right before they were trying to give me a bill. You know, I, when my scholarship <laughs> dropped, like ended, then I ended. I was like, well, that's it. I'm not doing So no anymore. student loans. No student loans. Well, that's, that is a, that was, I had a student loans forever. Mm-hmm. And one time. Uh, I well, yeah, I'm not going to pay full price for an art degree. I'm not an idiot. Well, I was, I had defaulted. <laughs> <laughs> I had not defaulted on my student loans, but I hadn't paid them in many months. And I went to do Cap City in, uh, in they Austin. They garnished your wages? No. Okay. Uh, they call, I, it was back when Cap City gave you a car. You had a condo and a car. And well, that's uh, nice. Right. So you'd land, you'd take a cab to the club and the club would hand you the keys to the car. And then you'd drive to the condo. And it was a great way uh, to dr- drink, drink and drive. It was an amazing way to uh, go get your own drugs. Yeah. And um, it was a terrible idea. Uh, I, th- I think it lasted probably five or six years. But um, that's so I, amazing that it lasted that long. It was. Yeah. It was, and there was another one in Tulsa that had another thing that would give you a car. It was they were owned by the same people initially, mm-hmm. and the La Quinta people, mm-hmm. the people that owned the La Quinta chain of uh, of uh, hotels, and um, so. I show up, I get the keys to the, to the, to the car. And while I'm getting a free soda, uh, uh, there's a phone call and the manager comes out and he goes, Hey, uh, student loan are on the phone for you. And I was like, Sally, there's a Sally, there's a Sally May. There's like, there's like the Pell Grant people. Um, uh, no, the, but it was, it was the woman, the people who had my student loans. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, I can tell her you're not here. I mean, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, no, no, this sort of sleuthing deserves to be talked to. Yeah. This woman deserves, and she had called me any number of times over the last two years that I had lived here. And I, um, and so I was on the road and I would answer and I would always say that I wasn't me. And she's like, really? Your voice sounds so familiar. <laughs> and uh, so I get on the phone in at Cap City and I was like, her name was like Angela or, or or Mary Beth or something. And I was like, is this you, Mary Beth? And she goes, hi, how's it going, Jackie? Uh, this is uh, Mary Beth with, and I was like, no, no, yeah. How did you, how did you find me? And she was like, well, they have a calendar listed through your website and, uh, and where you're doing stand-up comedy. And I said, you should work for the CIA, <laughs> the FBI. And I was like, so, and, and she was like, well, you know, you're, uh, we need to set up a payment plan. And I said, you know, I've, I keep offering you the same amount of money that I can afford it. and you won't take it. And she's like, and I regret actually not just sending that amount of money over the years because for two years I didn't pay because I could, I offered them a hundred dollars a month. I said, I can pay you a hundred dollars a month forever, uh, on this bill if you want. And she was like, how about 140? And I said, no, no, I didn't arbitrarily come up with the number 100. That's my budget. That's what I have to offer. Yes. And then finally, 
Uh, she, long story short, but she she loses the. I mean, she gives up the account somehow. Some guy calls me and he's like, "What can you do?" And I said, hundred bucks a month." He's like, "Fine." And then <laughs> and then we I spent five years paying it off. So um, and then a lump sum when I got a big gig. Anyway, yeah. So it's over. But the the crazy thing is, is when people can find you on the road. Yeah. And that happened to a buddy of mine. He owed money to the IRS, classic road comic thing. You don't pay your taxes <laughs> for five years. And then he's doing a gig in Vegas and they just, he gets, of a $2,000 check he's supposed to get, he gets like 150 bucks because yeah. they garnished his wages. They took, they took everything that he owed. I think when uh, Doug Stanhope got the man show, uh-huh. uh, they took all of the money. Yeah. Because he hadn't paid taxes in like a dozen years yeah. or something, they yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. "Oh, you got a fifty thousand dollar check? Yeah, you're not getting any of that." That was my that was the my line where they were like, "Oh, I'm not, you know, f- f- fine with fuck the government, but I'm paying my taxes, right? I'm well, paying my taxes." I, <laughs> when you nobody's these, coming after me, yeah, right? You beat these road dogs on the road, and they're all conspiracy theories, and 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 also blowing off their child support and their and their taxes yeah. and their it's and like are you a things. road comic or are you on the run <laughs> <laughs> they were on the run yeah. that's exactly what they were doing hoping to get some stand-up hoping to get some stage time obviously right <laughs> yeah i love that so um by the way i am talking with carmen morales and uh we are discussing grinding it out on the road which you did for six years on fire now, you have lived here in Los Angeles for how many years? I've lived out here for, like, I think two and a half years now. Yep. And then before that, I lived in Chicago for two years because I didn't have any financial responsibility. So I was like, if I'm going to move to New York or L.A., which was the move for right. everyone, uh, I needed a place before that so I could, you know, see. Because, again, again, I had my, I was just, it was very hand to mouth. Yep. For six years. Mm-hmm. So I didn't had no real idea. I mean, according to the IRS, I wasn't making any money. You know, um, so I was like, well, and I quite honestly, kind of financial- you were not. I was. It was hand to mouth. <laughs> it really was. Right. Yeah. It, especially when my bank account is a lockbox under my trunk. Yes. Like, there's obviously not that much money in there. Yeah. Um, so I would like I, I so I moved to Chicago. Uh, so I got Which a is place. a great hub. Great hub because I could, within six hours I could do like 40 weeks. Yep. So it was easy. And then I was being in a scene, you know, yep. trying to navigate a scene and um so I would go to Chicago and I'd spend my, my rent there was like 500 bucks a month. So I was like, all right, I know I can afford $500 a month. That's right. something. Yeah. And then that generated like, okay, well, I need to make X amount of money. So, that, you know, it was just training me to be an adult about things. Right, right, instead right. Instead of me being on the run, even then, though I'm not running away from child support or <laughs> a disgruntled wife. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's, it, eventually you have to learn how to sort of organize your cash and and your life so that you're not living out of your car. For sure. So you're living in Chicago and Chicago is a great place to go and do stand-up. Did you end up, how did you end up breaking into sort of the bigger clubs? Because you were doing the scene. So did you work your way up through the club's MC feature kind of situation and then you would meet the headliners and and this type of thing? Because I know now you're headlining... You're headlining like sort of B and C rooms everywhere. Yeah. And you have the chops to do these rooms, obviously. Yeah, I just don't you, have the credits. I'm not like a draw or whatever. So. Which is which is um a lie. 
uh, that, that they tell you uh, to, yeah. because no one's a draw. Yeah, and there, you know, there's eleven comics who can who can fill the room and a draw. And if once they can fill the room, they can fill a theater, right? The and then they are the out of your comedy. Yeah. So essentially, I know what you're saying. Yeah. What? But they would like the credits just as a um which is why you'll see some headliners with credits that are 30 years old but they're comedy central you yeah. know and um you might as well you might as well just say well, comedy central like, cuz who's going to who's going to call you on it that was and that i think was it was a detriment to themselves comedy clubs uh going that way because it used to just be you were selling the idea of stand up comedy and right. then people are like, oh, that's not a movie. That's something different. And yep. chicks love going on dates when it's something different. You know what I mean? So you bring your lady out <laughs> to a comedy club because they love a something different. You're hanging out with too many men. Uh, because yeah. uh, <laughs> chicks love something is uh, the pitch uh, of a guy <laughs> who has a club in, in uh, Boca Raton. So um, is there a club in Boca Raton? Yeah, there is. Why wouldn't there be? Because uh-huh. uh, it used to be called Boca Nuts, and then it was <laughs> <laughs> there was the Boca Nuts Comedy Club, and then it was there was just a Coconuts. Um, you know, they were more serious. <laughs> and then <laughs> then there was a New York Comedy Club in Boca Raton, um, owned by this very crazy woman from uh, New York called Stephanie. Um, well, I'm glad she made the effort to come out of New York, go down to Boca Raton, and open a comedy club called yeah. the New York Comedy Club. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a lot of work to do. <laughs> what is she thinking? I don't know. Okay. Well, now she's not thinking about it at all, because that one inevitably closed, just like the, all the other three. Right, right. Everything. It's um, There are there are clubs. There, There's towns that I want to go to, to sort of re- reframe what I think about that city. Because sure. I had such horrible shows there, or or the club was so terrible, yeah. or uh, I had to uh, hit somebody on the nose with a newspaper, yeah. right? And um, the my town is Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible town, and um, <laughs> I'm sure it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure right. it's a lovely city full of because uh, the the audiences weren't bad, but the the club itself it they charged uh, seven dollars, which was less than a movie. Yeah. To come and see stand-up comedy. Uh, there was a comedy condo, and the uh, iron was chained to the wall. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know who's stealing a $12 iron, but stop booking them. And instead of making the rest of us have to stand really close to the wall, if Spe- we wanted to iron something. Speaking of a comedy club, uh, a condo yep. iron, um, I used to work with a guy who would always uh, make grilled cheese sandwiches on those irons. Instead of the a- stove? There was because a lot of hotel so, rooms don't have stoves. Oh right, right. Oh, so, so he, he would do, in a hotel room. He would take an iron. And he he was, would take two pieces of bread, put cheese in the middle of it, smear butter on the outside of it, and then just hit an iron to it, and that he would make a grilled cheese in it, which is great for you at that moment. But boy, does it fuck everybody's dress shirt up that comes to that hotel room afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You just broke the iron. Yeah, yeah. What that? See, it's that sort of. Uh, <laughs> That sort of like I love like being disc- crafty, but just eat the fucking cheese sandwich. You gotta just have eat a, a cheese sandwich. You yeah. don't have to have a grilled cheese. Just have a cheese sandwich. Yeah, just yeah. have a cheese sandwich. It's uh, the the Jackie and Laurie show would 
make hay with this particular topic. Yeah. We don't ha- we don't have to, uh, but because because we're mostly talking about like the decent you know people that you meet, not not For the sure. not not the guy who's willing to break uh, an iron in every hotel room he ever goes into. Absolutely. Because here's the other thing: bring a foreman grill. They're yeah. not that big. No, they're not big, and, and they're not that expensive either. You could even bring an iron. Or and, a hot plate. Or, yeah, your own hot plate. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Hot plate and a pan. Yeah, tiny What's pan. What's that, 25 bucks? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Everyone has 25 bucks. Yeah. Eventually. Just buy $25 less of marijuana or whatever other <laughs> drug you were going to do that weekend, right. sir. And then <laughs> what made you need that grilled cheese. Yeah. Whatever drug you're doing for that. Uh, just a little bit less and, uh, and keep plugging along. Yeah, so that was the other thing too. Is is like I see I learned so much from the mistakes that like a lot of those road guys would make. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you can witness some really good yeah. um, th- lessons. Yeah, and you know some lessons you have to learn yourself, or Absolutely. you do different things <laughs> yeah. that you're like, what have I done? And um, like two uh, two episodes ago was uh, the Augie Smith episode, mm-hmm. and so we were there was some more reminiscing about this very this very topic to some extent, except for that he would tell stories of of dead comics, like his favorite stories of of the bad activity that um, bad choices. Oh, I, different... have, I have one of those. Oh, you, you it's wanna... actually about the late John Panette. John oh, there Panette, you go. John, John Panette tried to force me to do cocaine in order for me to go back on stage. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, you know, that's a guy with a disposable income. Because <laughs> uh, cocaine is very expensive, <laughs> if is. I remember correctly. <laughs> well, it was weird because he was in a particular part in his career where he was trying, at the time, I think, was trying to be sober. But then he would do these shows and people would just show. There was a woman that showed up that weekend with morphine fucking lollipops. And, like, people were just giving him drugs and what? giving him booze. Yeah, it was it was insane to me. Right. Do you know um, that uh, in Boise over the weekend, a woman brought me a book. It was really, really great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't always take all the books. Yeah. And uh, she literally, she had two other books. And I was like, I'm not going to take those. I'm going to take uh, this one. I like this one. one. I'm read. This yeah. is the one I'll read. Uh, those two, I'm not going to throw those out for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just take those to the library. Exactly. But that's what I want. I want someone to, you know, people bringing people drugs. Stop it. Yeah, that's dumb. Unless you ask for it, like I get it. Like I Doug guess if Benson, you ask for it, yeah, Doug Benson, uh, he always, he will always he, he smoke will take your the, pot. Yeah, smoke yeah. the weed, and uh, and I and I like that. But when I mean, it was just like this guy's trying to get like he was at, that after that weekend he was going into a rehab center. Wow. Yeah, he was going into a rehab center like the Monday after the gigs. Right. So this weekend, uh, some dude, I and I think it was like some dude he went to high school with or something, and and I get it. Panette was, you know, he was an eight nineteen eighties guy, so he was all about cocaine, and, right? Uh, and gluttony in in all shapes and forms. Right, right. He was a big guy and then lost a lot of weight, right? Because yep. didn't he get the surgery? Yeah, he got the he got the surgery. Okay. So we were there, and um, can you still? I know you can't eat sandwiches after the surgery. Can you still do drugs after the surgery? Well, he did. So yeah. I guess so. I guess so. Um, and so I was there and I was hosting and it was such a big deal to me to yeah. be working with Panette, you know, and because uh, I think at the time he was the biggest comic, literally and figuratively, that I'd ever worked with. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was a big deal. He was a big deal and a big guy. <laughs> and a big guy. <laughs> big guy, big deal. And um, 
I was featuring for him and like I remember one night like he he got was gonna fire me because I accidentally spilled a shot of tequila like he was drink he would just sip Patron like it was like a ice water oh my gosh in in the in the room and he had these like highfalutin like banker type peoples that it came when we're hanging out and at the oh, time like his entourage no, but just people like I guess friends I don't know if they were friends of his or just fans that happened to be really rich that okay. loved him. And they were in the green room hanging out with him. And um, I think at one point I went to grab something for him because yep. I was also, be, you know, being a, being a feature, you always take care of everybody. Right. I can't tell you how many Brad breaks and insert other names of drunken messes I had to fucking take care of. What's that? There are just so many. Like, a and, Brad break? What's that? Brad break was it was a headliner that. The weekend I worked with him in Milwaukee, we were doing a comedy club that was in the basement of a strip club. Okay. And he also was apparently sober. And then until that weekend, that weekend, he decided to not be sober anymore Uh and just drank a ton. And then he didn't have a car. He didn't have uh, money. He didn't have any money. So he couldn't buy himself food. So the feature who's making half as much money as him is now Which is you. Yeah, which is me because I'm I'm not an asshole. Right. You're trying to keep someone alive. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. and, And that was the other thing I would do, which... I admired about you when you moved here is you always do comics brunch. And I used to do that. I would create my own friendship when well, I was yeah. on the road. I would hit up every comic I knew and tell them to bring whoever they wanted to. Yep. We're all going to meet here. And that, and that one particular weekend, I had friends working at Potawatomi. I had friends working at Jokers. I had friends working at uh, the Comedy Cafe. So I had a bunch of people in town. So we right. all met at a Whole Foods to eat at the cafeteria. Right. <laughs> and then Brad breaks there, like basically trying to panhandle from all the other comics. To, and I was just like, just fucking, I'll buy you the plate. Just stop yeah. being weird. You're yeah. creeping everybody out. <laughs> and, um, so it, there was just, there was a few of so, those times right, where right. I was just like, Jesus, how, how how am I half your age and have my shit together better than you do? Right. And here's the thing about the dork forest is that you can love and also sometimes it'll drive you nuts. <laughs> the fandom that you have led yourself into will sometimes drive you bananas. Because, yeah. So so anyways, the, yeah. the Panette story. So he was like, should I fire her? Because I had spilled a, his tequila on his pant leg. Or okay. Whatever. So he was going to fire me. So I was just really weird. It was I was weirded out and kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next night was his buddy from high school came and I guess gave him some cocaine, like gave him a bag of cocaine. Right. So he was doing coke in the in the in the green room, which I don't mind. You do whatever you want. It's not mm-hmm. my job, you know. Yeah. And so we. Uh, then it's like in between, like the shows, the second show's about to start, and he goes, He do some with me. And I was like, Nah, I was like, My uncle's a coquette. It kind of ruined it for me. I don't really yeah, want to yeah. do it. And he goes, You can fucking do some with me, or you're not going out on that stage. And I was like, oh, Come on, John. I don't want to fucking do, I kind of want to do coke. It's like something out of a bad movie. I know. It's like, it's like Why are you such a coke. hack off stage? What's happening? <laughs> I don't want to do your weird drugs. <laughs> So then he he uh, he has some on his finger and he just he shoves it up my nostril right yep. before I go on stage and uh, and I breathe out instead of in mm-hmm. so it's just my nostril gets numb but I don't get high right so I go on stage do my job and uh, and then I come back and the guy's telling him he's like oh I got more coke at my at my bar I I run a bar and right down the street do you want to come and then John's like will you drive me and I was like sure I'll take you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
fuck could this go wrong? So I drive him, and anytime anybody says, come to my place, it's just down the street, it's never just down it's the street. It's never down the street. It was like 45 fucking minutes away. We were in Miami. It was like up in Fort Lauderdale. It was far away. Yeah, that's too far. So we're there, and it's in this like dive bar, and so it's me and him sitting at the bar, and we're just having a chat, and then his buddy's like, oh, you guys want a sandwich? I'll make you a Philly. I guess the guy was from Philly. Yeah. He's like, I'll make you a Philly. So he makes us a sandwich, and, and Panette's just like, where's the fucking cocaine? You, you promised me. That's why yeah. I'm here. I'm not here for, for a Philly sandwich. <laughs> I'm here for the drugs you said you had. And we get there, and we find out there's no more drugs. Well, guess who's upset about it? Mr. Panette is very upset about it. Is he upset because they've, they've run out of drugs? He's upset there's not drugs, and yeah, he's yeah. promised drugs. That's, uh, that'll happen. Good people this, love drugs. Yeah, especially when they're doing those kinds. The yeah, real yeah. addictive kind. And so then another guy comes over and he starts chatting at John up, but he doesn't want to hear it. He's like, I'm going to eat this stupid sandwich and I'm leaving. <laughs> and then this guy just starts getting, so it starts getting heated and like bubbling up. And then, and then Panette goes, get the car. And I was like, all right. So I get the, at the time I was driving a Kia Sportage. So I get in the car, pull it up to the door and uh, the door swings open. And I just see Panette swing on the guy <gasps> and he, he swings on the guy. And uh, he he punches the guy in the face. Yeah, and then yeah. He walks out, and uh, he was like, "Will you drive me to the hotel?" And I was like, "Yeah." So I drive him to the hotel, and he was like, "It's not a bad Philly. It was a pretty good Philly." <laughs> I was like, "It was a good Philly. You're right." And um, so I get there, and he's like, "Do you want to crash here?" And I was like, "No." No. I'm gonna go. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go into my shittier hotel uh, and enjoy myself alone. Enjoy my silence. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so some, but so. Here's there the are thing. times when it's bad. There is times. Yes. But, but here's but the, the thing. But the good times outweighed the bad for sure. Plus right. that story's hilarious. And you get to do stand-up comedy. Yeah. Uh, in, in the end, you get to do stand-up comedy. And people always think it's much, much worse than that. Yeah. So you're like, no, no, you're just hanging out with a mess. Yeah. That's all it is. Worst case scenario. Well, worst case scenario, we, everyone's murdered and raped and it's horrible. Yeah. But <laughs> most of the time, the worst case scenario is you're just hanging out with someone who threw up in the bushes. Yeah. Where you're like, it's fine. I No, no, here's a, a towel. Yeah. And it'll, you know, and you just, you, you keep going. Water? Here's you the keep water, going. Buddy. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Carmen Morales, uh, it has been an hour. <laughs> We have talked. It's a. It's been a weird rabbit hole of stand-up comedy. We don't get to do enough of these, and but it is always fun to do these and to do all the different dorkdoms in all the world. Yeah. So everyone should go and see uh, the funny Carmen. It's CarmenMorales.com. T H E F U N N Y C A R M E N. And uh, and CarmenMorales.com. Thank you for doing the show. Thanks for having me. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat. My hat. My hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?